Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. A WASD report that came out today, but there's a lot of factors beyond that WASD report that is being looked at, including how this crop is doing in Brazil, the strength that we see of the U.S. dollar planting season that's really, for the most part, gotten a good start. We know our neighbors to the north are, are still struggling to get into those fields in some areas. But looking at uh, the struggles with the winter wheat, overall, we got some good rains. And then let's look at the livestock side where we've got some milk prices. Are they headed to the lower or are we still really into some good times for the dairy industry? We're going to take a look at that and a whole lot more today as Sean Hackett joins us with Hackett Financial Advisors. And Sean, let's start out with that WASDE report of this morning. Kind of what was your spin on what you saw in the numbers? Well, you know, I, I just think that, you know, the USDA in this report, you know, doesn't, you know, does tend to put out oftentimes some of the larger numbers for the year but obviously if you get off generally speaking to a great planting start with good moisture timely um timely planting and and crops emerging um, in pretty good shape you know you're starting with a high potential um getting out of the gate and i think today that usda kind of endorsed that view that the bears had been using to drive prices lower that you know we're we're getting off to one of the better starts, some of the better moisture we've seen in a, lo- in, a, in a long while in many areas. You know, that you know El Nino weather pattern is starting to develop, and a lot of people are suggesting that's cool wet weather the rest of the way, which we know, typically speaking, reduces your big crops. And so the USDA kind of endorsed that bearish view and said, right now, we're going to go with that until, the, until Mother Nature tells us otherwise. And so that was... It just told the bears they're on the right track and they continue to punish new crop corn and soybeans accordingly today, making new lows to the downside. And we probably have further to go before we might get all the sellers who want need um, to sell here before we price it all in. So looking at, at the numbers and as we get a chance to kind of digest them over the weekend into, into Mondays and the Sunday night overnight trade, what are you thinking? How the markets could line up? Well, you know, it, it, I, I kind of feel if we're looking at the grains, I think I kind of feel like we're in, in what I call rolling bottoms here over the spring, meaning I think the wheat complex as a whole has bottomed. I think today's report that showed hard red winter wheat crop production well below the expectations of the market, saying that the rains that we've seen recently were too late to really do much good. Somebody had to come out there and say, yeah, the rains are good. Long term, we'll take it, but it was too late to really do too much. And so I think the USDA endorsed or gave that signal that, you know, some of the bears have been using to drive wheat lower. Um, yeah, we had a big move today up 35 cents on, on July KC wheat. And next week, don't forget, the Quality Wheat Board does their physical tour um, and does some actual going in the field, taking a look, doing measurements. And so and we might get another secondary supportive view that says, um, you know, the rains you know, definitely will take anything we can get, but not going to be able to turn this crop around. And I think that probably puts a low in the wheat complex first. Corn and soybeans have more to go, but I think corn puts a low second, secondarily. I think here mid late May, and I, I think probably soybeans are the last one in the bottom here, probably in early June. So I'm kind of looking for this rolling bottom in the grain complex, starting with wheat then corn, then soybeans. And I think that gets us into the growing cycle. And then we start looking at, you know, great, good start doesn't mean great finish. You know, you need good weather all the way through. And 
we got, you know, we just have to see if a good start means a good, you know, a good end point here for the crops. And I was going to ask you about that. How much you see is that a, uh, a, a pushing factor, shall we say, an optimism within this trade? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, we really haven't gotten off to a very good planting season for quite a while, quite a few years. So, so, so definitely the market is viewing this, you know, as the year for the finally, you know, after two years of subpar crops, finally getting the big year for the crops. I think they're making a mistake. Many people are assuming that the second that we get those central sea surface temperatures of the Pacific to rise at plus 0.5 degrees Celsius or more, which designates El Nino warm waters, that, that immediately means that the atmosphere responds as an El Nino, meaning cool, wet weather. It typically does not mean that, meaning when you transition like you are from La Nina to El Nino, there tends to be a lag effect um, where the atmosphere is still not ready to turn the switch on. And so I think the market, we went back and looked at all the years that we had strong transitions from La Nina to El Nino when we had a negative Pacific decadal oscillation or those cold sea surface temperatures off the coast of California. And not a single one of them was a cool wet year. They were dry. Um, now, dry doesn't mean bad crop. It is dry and cool. Obviously, you need dry and hot. But I think the market is overplaying how good the weather is going to be. And I think we're going to start to see these weather models start to show a dome finding itself more in the center of the grain belt, which we haven't seen the last couple of years versus the West. And if we do, you might have to get some of these speculative shorts out and put some weather premium back in that this year may not be as perfect as everybody thinking. That is our strong, that's what our research and our data strongly suggests is that the market is overplaying a good start and underplaying uh, the transition. You're being perfect. So. Especially when you look at the, the wheat market and the struggles that we have when you look at um, I-70 South in Kansas into Oklahoma. Well, sure. Like I said, you know, the, 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 the wheat complex, you know, it's just been one of those strange situations um, where we've had this Russian-Ukraine supply just undercutting the market for months. But remember now, we have a terrible wheat crop, right? Uh, Russia's crop that they're about to harvest is going to be between 80 and 85 million metric tons down from 105. We're talking about the loss of 20 to 25 million metric tons of supply from one year to the next. They're not going to be able to continue to undercut the market with those exports like they have been. And it looks like more and more noise is coming at this corridor deal. More is coming up just around the corner. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Continue our conversation this afternoon with Sean Hackett, of course, with Hackett Financial Advisors. Let's talk about the strength of the U.S. dollar. What are you seeing? Well, you know, there's been a lot of bearish talk about the dollar, about every every other country trying to find another way to to, cl- to transact business and close, you know, trading with, with once another. Everyone's trying to, you know, it's just so much of this bearish talk. But when you look at the price chart, we haven't made new lows. In fact, we made a secondary low, and now we've rallied sharply off that secondary low. You know, so that warns that we might be making a double bottom and that we've started some kind of a short-term rally higher, which, you know, on the margin is always tends to be uh, negative for the overall commodity space as it makes our export pricing less competitive and it reduces or depresses our prices relative to foreign prices. So this move higher in the U.S. dollar, you know, 
only one factor of many, but it, but on the margin, when you're in a bearish environment for commodities and there's at least for the moment some bearish fundamental news that's coming out, it just adds some extra bearish insult to injury, um, and it's not helpful. It's not helpful. Over to the livestock side, as always, I always enjoy the opportunity to talk a little dairy complex with you. Are our milk prices heading lower? In the short run, you know, we're, we're finishing up what they call the spring flush, you know, this, this seasonal strong uh, peak production in the United States. So this tends to be a time where um, prices can trend lower into June before we clear that out and we move into the, the, the seasonally strong period for less production and higher prices. Um, I will say that, you know, if you look at the last GDT auction, which are done every two weeks over in New Zealand, which is a measure of Chinese demand essentially for dairy products. We had a big, big rally in that GDT, um, and it was for the first time we saw China being a large buyer. So, you know, one point doesn't make a trend, but every trend begins with one point. And so we're thinking that might start to show some positive optimism that demand later on in the season, as production starts to come down, could bring prices, you know, back to some levels that make more sense. Right now, I don't think there's a dairyman in the world that's loving life right now. Margins are really, really negative, and a lot of equities being taken out of the dairyman's business. Unfortunately, I do think it can last maybe into June before it turns around, but I think after that, there's reasons for optimism. And I'm sure just like in in the dairy uh, cattle, livestock in general are dealing with you know the fluctuation we're seeing in the feedstuffs right now. No question about it. You know, it's interesting. You know, it's, it's kind of like if you look in the cattle industry, you know, for a couple of years, they were upside down, couldn't make any money. You know, hogs were doing all right. Dairy was doing okay. Now the cattle is doing okay. But now the hogs, I think they have the worst margins in like 30 years right now at the hog industry, you know, relative to their costs and dairies in the same situation. So it's it's just tough out there right now. And, um, you know, obviously African swine fever in the hog complex is not helpful in the short run, kind of like dairy, just there's just a kind of an oversupply in the short run, but we know what that means later on in the year. It means pork shortage. It means significant increase in, in exports of U.S. pork to China. And, um, you know, these low prices and this equity destruction in the hog industry as well means we're going to see some lower weights and some lower supply later in the year. So I think, you know, it's a good cop or bad cop, good cop scenario for both dairy and the hog industry. Cattle, you know, they're beating to a different drum because they're longer term cycles, but you know, they do need a period of profitability after, you know, all kinds of issues with COVID and fires and everything else that we know made their business really difficult for a while. So do you see the livestock complex being nervous when we look at just the, the global world we're in, the uh, fed issues, um, interest rates, um, finances, just kind of weighing down on what may or may not move across the meat counter. You know, livestock is a cyclical business. It's it, it, you need a good, strong economy for demand to be able to, you know, come in and support the prices that production is looking for. Um, and we know that times when when the economy and global economy aren't doing well, dairy um, demand and meat demand in general suffers. So definitely is a nervous time because you know the Fed once again raised rates again. They didn't exactly say pause, but they gave some of those strongest indications that they might finally be on pause, but pause doesn't quite cut it, Susan. I mean, a pause is one thing, but in order to really turn the economy around and turn 
this around and get people to, you know, consuming more meat at the levels that are required to support higher prices, we need them to start lowering those rates and increasing liquidity and making those bank loans more available to small business. And it does not look like as of yet that we're really that close to it. So it's 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 an uncomfortable spot when you're losing money in the livestock business and you're not seeing a lot of help from the Federal Reserve or, for that matter, from the Treasury of the, of the U.S. government. All right. Best way for folks to get a hold of you, Sean. Uh, best way is our website at Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. We also have a Twitter page, Faradix11, and we also have a LinkedIn page. All of those are great resources to keep in tabs with what we're doing and how we are looking at these markets. All right, that is today's Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers right here on the Rural Radio Network.